at that table in that moment to rejoice at this person's success. And they were doing a genuinely great job. But because of my own insecurity and my own sort of uh, need to be seen, I was unable to rejoice in their good work and what they did. And so I remember that day going home and thinking, wow, I just sat in envy all day because of this person's goodness being rejoiced in. And I took it personal, diminishment of what I've done. I'm not as good. And so this comparison mentality turned into envy for me. So it's insecurity turned into envy. And so that, that kind of, that's a real example. And that can still be in me today. Please God is less. I think it's less, but it can still be in me. Welcome to another episode of the Mission Guys podcast, where our goal is to help equip you as a leader for transformation in the church. If you're a bishop, priest, or lay person leading in a diocese, parish, school, family, or a mission-driven company, this podcast is for you. And we are your hosts. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop. And if you're new to us, we post episodes on leadership topics and host interviews with leaders just like you. Today, we're discussing another one of the deadly sins of leadership envy. We suggest that this might exist in every leader in every leadership team listening to this podcast, even to a small degree, as it exists, unfortunately, in our own hearts at times. But before we Mm -hmm. bite into this big, juicy steak of a topic, Nick, let's pray. Amen. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for the gift that it is to just be able to spend the time to talk about this topic of envy and especially as leaders. Jesus, we pray for your grace to be upon us in a particular way to help shed light and wisdom and counsel to all the leaders who are listening to this. Holy Spirit, come and fill every listener with your grace to reflect on their own journey, their own challenges, their own interior battle, their wounds, their struggles, their vices, those relationships which they find most challenging. So that in listening to this and in praying with this topic, they would be set free more than ever to love and to serve according to your most holy plan, Jesus. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Nick. Really appreciate it. Always your gift of being able to pray deeply and sincerely. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So as far Thanks, as our outline today, let's lay out what we'd like to accomplish, Nick. We're going we're gonna to start with defining the topic. What do we really mean by envy? And what do we mean by leadership envy? Followed by our observations. We get to work with a lot of great leaders and and leadership teams. And we've been able to observe many things that led us to this podcast. We feel it's worth talking about. And then after just sharing some observations, perhaps trying to shift our mindset a bit, or at least offering our perspective and things to consider so that our mindset as leaders can be changed in a way then that we can make some changes. And that would lead into, then what can we do about it? What might be the antidote to leadership envy? And as always, we'll close with a mission challenge and then close out with a prayer. So with that, let's start first. What what do we mean by leadership envy? Let's define it really well, because I think this is one of those sins and struggles that kind of gets tossed around, but conglomerated and grouped up with other things. and. It's just helpful to be clear. So we want to start with the catechism. We'll start with a great authority on this. We're referencing throughout this 
podcast episode, Catechism 2539 through 2540, for those who ever want to go in and look up, look this up themselves. So 2539 says, envy is a capital sin, and it refers to the sadness at the sight of another's goods and the immoderate desire to acquire them for yourself, for oneself, even unjustly. When it wishes grave harm to a neighbor, it is a mortal sin. So because it's a capital sin, it actually causes other sins, you could say, other vices. That would typically be pride, avarice, envy, wrath, lust, gluttony, sloth. These other sins can be rooted in envy. So that's why it's a capital sin. This also means that when we see other sins in our lives, it's helpful to think about envy as possibly being at the root of those. You, you think about what am I struggling with? It might be at its root, envy. Now, St. Augustine, he said, this is also in the catechism, he said, envy is the diabolical sin. It's because it comes from Satan initially. Okay, so it's the diabolical sin. And then St. Gregory the Great tells us from envy are born hatred detraction, calumny, joy caused by the misfortune of a neighbor, and displeasure caused by his prosperity. Those two in particular, I'm just going to say again, joy caused by the misfortune of another person or displeasure caused by their prosperity. 2540 goes on to say, Envy represents a form of sadness and therefore a refusal of charity. So it's a, a form of sadness and a refusal of charity. And then finally, 2540 tells us envy often comes from pride. Envy often comes from pride. So envy, and it's, that, that sets it up really well for this whole conversation. And envy really just is this thing that spills out of our lives causes discord, hatred of myself, hatred of others, malice, gossip, spite, judging others, judging their motives. We might have jealousy, might speak badly of other people in ways that are both true and untrue. And then self-pity, cynicism, wrong judgment. The list goes on and on. So envy, I hope you're, I hope you're gleaning the meaning of two things here. One is it's Big, it's massive, has tons of implications, causes ills in our lives, and the lives of others, our relationships. And at its very core, it could be stripped down to two things. One is joy at the misfortune of another or displeasure at their prosperity. So there's envy. And now we say, oh, on top of that, there's leadership envy. And so as we shift or maybe dig even deeper on envy from a leadership perspective, Let's start with a principle around leadership. Whatever is good in you as a leader or whatever fault you may have as a leader, as a bishop, a pastor, a parent, that will have exponential impact on your team, on your family, on those whom you lead. So then it, it goes further into maybe it's then my team. So it's my parish, my school, my diocese, my family. So as my team's success in competition with others, being better than them, Versus being who God wants us and expects us to be, both me as a leader individually, and us as a team. Is it about defeating others, making them lesser than us, 
or is it about glorifying all of us? And as I mentioned in the brief intro, we suspect that this leadership envy, it might exist in almost all leaders and teams. It's given what we're able to observe in our work, as well as what we experience personally in our own lives. And where it exists, it's only holding you back from being a family on mission, from being both healthy and in achieving what you're striving to achieve as leaders in the church. I really want to talk about observations. So given this context, given the definition, given thinking about it from a leadership perspective and the, the massive downstream implications, this is one that strikes at my heart as a father, is where, where envy is in me. And please, God, root it out because I, I don't want to pass it on to my children. So we wanted to share a set of observations that we, we as thinking about this topic, thinking about leaders and, and, and what we see across the whole church. How do we see it happening? And I wanted to start by sharing a little bit more from St. John Chrysostom. He said, we, so with envy, this is what his comment is, we fight one another and envy arms us against one another. If everyone strives to unsettle the body of Christ, where shall we end up? We are engaged in making Christ's body a corpse. We declare ourselves members of one and the same organism, yet we devour one another like beasts. So here's St. John Chrysostom telling us that the result of envy in the church is killing the body, which is us. We're killing ourselves and we devour one another like beasts. Man, this is breaking it down to all of our listeners and us how we can be even better leaders in the church. We are at the macro level observation. So St. John Chrysostom always said it there. And then at the micro level, all the observations we're making, which is what led us to say, this is worthy of a podcast. Yes. And as uh, whoever you quote it, Rick, we are they. When we say the church, if you're a Catholic listening to this, that's you. That's you, brother. That's you, sister. We are they. So yeah. if you don't like envy in the church, Look at yourself. If you don't like something else in the church, stop pointing the finger and look at yourself. Like we, the, the, the first problem is between my own ears and in my own chest, my heart. So I was, I'd love to share on that right there. It's, this is a topic that is pertinent because it's personal in so many ways. So my own life, as we were, were preparing for this, I was reflecting deeply on envy, reading the catechisms, convicting. And I just thought about when does envy show up most in my life? And, and to be sure, it used to be worse and it's still there. It's like, I'm healed, but not enough yet. I'm free, but not yet enough. And so this in my life shows up when I'm feeling insecure. There's, a, there's another definition of around envy that talks about the sorrow in this because you view that your own excellence is diminished by someone else's success. This is where I struggle. So if I'm insecure in an area, it could be any given day, to be honest with you. There insecure, insecurities pop up at different times. Sometimes there's deeply rooted ones, but I could, let's just, Take an example. I remember being in the diocese, working in a chancery, and I was working my tail off, and I was having some good results and fruit in mission. And of course, praise God, all glory to God in these things. But I remember sitting in the room, and the conversation came up about just someone else in the room and really honoring them and the work they've done. And this, we both had the same leader, so there's leaders honoring another person at the table. And uh, rejoicing, oh, look how great, I'll, I'll name her Mary, great job, you're doing great. And went on and on for like two or three minutes. And I was feeling very unseen uh, at work. I was feeling very uh, insecure about just what I was doing and how things were going because it was I was looking for the affirmation of man instead of God on this. And I was unable 
at that table in that moment to rejoice at this person's success. And they were doing a genuinely great job. But because of my own insecurity and my own sort of uh, need to be seen, I was unable to rejoice in their good work and what they did. And so I remember that day going home and thinking, wow, I just sat in envy all day because of this person's goodness being rejoiced in. And I took it personal, diminishment of what I've done. I'm not as good. And so this comparison mentality turned into envy for me. So it's insecurity turned into envy. And so that, that kind of, that's a real example and that can still be in me today. Please God, it's less. I think it's less, but it can still be in me. It could be marriage and family life. It could be um, in meetings I'm in. It could be watching someone else perform at a high level in an area I value. So I, I value my creativity. I value my ability to speak and preach. And yet if someone else is doing a better job and I'm having a bad day, I might struggle with envy a little bit interiorly. And it's like, hey, get out of that. Rejoice in their goodness. Rejoice that God's doing great things through them too. Anyway, that's my story. No, thanks for sharing, Nick. And you're making me think of my own personal journey and my real, you know, deep challenges with envy started very young in athletics. And as I reflect on, on that journey and my faith journey, bringing me all the way through today, I'm glad I went through all this, but it was learning the hard way. And I, I can remember from the youngest age, when coming up through high school, and there was always, oh, you can do more. There's always somebody better. And there is that comparison constantly, that resentment. I was all state in a couple sports, but I wasn't player of the year. And so I resented the fact that somebody else was. And then I get a full ride scholarship to play football in college, but it wasn't in division one. I wanted to go to division one. Others, and, but, but I, I resented those who got in above me. I remember some of the names of some that, that got a scholarship ahead of me. And then take that, at, whether it was grades, you want to get better grades than others. And in, in competing in all sports, this trash talking and this, it's not enough to win and do your best, but it's, yeah, and I want to put it in their face and I want to, and then when others did beat you and they didn't quote work as hard or deserve it like you did, it's just a nasty feeling. You can't even enjoy the good because there, there's that nasty, that competition that, and I didn't recognize it as envy then and take it to career, getting promoted promoted above others, being at this level or, or having a nice home because it's better than the home of others with whom you compare yourselves. And just this life cycle of competition. Now there's a healthy form of competition. And I have a stark example of when it hit me as I'm, excuse me, going through my journey and growing closer to the Lord and praying more and reflecting more and, and recognizing these lack of virtue in, in areas. And I remember we were playing my wife and her sister and my brother-in-law and, and my wife and her sister is, you know, on the opposite end of competitive. Now we're playing boccia, boccia, the Italian ball game. That's a boccia means ball. So, uh, so we're playing and I remember it's the guys against the gals, you know, my wife and her sister are playing against my brother-in-law and me. And I did a good shot. And my sister-in-law jumped for joy because it was a good shot. She's on the competing team. She was authentically happy <laughs> that I had a good shot. And it just struck me as being so foreign to me. It's like, wait a minute, you're not on my team. Why would you be joyful? And still she was playing to win, but she's not trash talking. She enjoyed the competition. She was joyful for my great shot. And even after you win or lose, it's like, whatever. I just watched a movie called Champions. It's not the greatest movie, 
but it was about a special education basketball team. And they are in the finals and they get beat. And they're just jumping for joy because it because we they said, we are champions. We are champions. We're champion people. And you can compete hard and you can lose and have that joy. And man, what lessons learned. So thank you for sharing your personal. And that's mine. This And you know what? This ver, quote virtue of being competitive, I always viewed it as a virtue. Society views it as virtue. Oh, he's competitive. How does that really play out? Does it play out like the trash talking, I'm going to win at all costs and I pout when I lose? Or is it like my sister-in-law who truly enjoys the competition, giving it your all, doing your best? If you win, great. If you lose, we give it your best and you can be happy with the success of others. Rick, I love your story. And this idea that somebody would be so happy for your shots, it's, such a, it's like a playful example, like a backyard example. But that's often, so for those of us listening to this podcast, I'm assuming most of us don't fall in this extreme envy, like literally wanting harm to come upon people, which would be in that mortal sin category, right? Versus this lighter, all in my backyard, I'm just being competitive. So envy can be present there too. And here's, your, here's a backyard game example of, here's what it looks like to just be free. So that's a beautiful thing. So how do we see it in the work that we're doing on mission? running, working with priests and working with pastors and bishops and principals and superintendent. The word silos comes up constantly. It did it for 30 years in the secular world as leading teams and working with teams. Silos, competition between units, competition between departments. I want my department to, quote, be the best, which is often beyond simply wanting to be the best you can be, but wanting to be better than the other, or, or even in, in, the, in, a, in the worst cases, enjoying even the downfall when another department has some failure. Those of you who, this is so common, we hear it constantly as around, we have silos, we're not working together. And we'd suggest there's probably at the root of those silos, some envy at play that is keeping silos there. And there's competition and there's trying to one-upsmanship on those organizations or on those teams. We're seeing this everywhere. But we want to say we even see this in priests. We've been with a lot of priests across the country doing ministry at this point. And we see it in presbyterates in a very big way. We see presbyterates struggle with rivalry, with not honoring each other's successes. We see division and competition. That group of guys thinks this way. We think this way. And when they have struggle or they don't have success, we're happy about it. Or we take joy at their, yeah, we take joy at their downfall. Other times it's wanting to be better than them. And it's like we're all members of the same body. There's, there's a great line that said by someone else, I don't know who it was right now, in reference to priests, we are one man. Priests are one man. And it's that line from scripture, house divided cannot stand. And so rooting envy out, really rooting envy out through forgiveness there is big. So observation here, we see this in presbyterists. We also see it in just church leaders in general. A certain level of competition just permeates. I'm better than them at preaching. I'm, we're better than them at ministry. Or this camp, the traditionalists, the liberals, the charismatics, the, like the labels come and then the, the camping start, the camping mentalities happen. This is pervasive right now. And social media just makes this rampant because for whatever reason, you get behind a screen with a keyboard and you can say whatever you want to anyone at any time. Because there are real people behind these screens and it's hurtful. And so when you see the social media leader fall from grace or you see the social media personality, take a shot or a hit 
or someone takes a personal attack on them, what's your response? Check your interior. Am I envious as I see these things happen? Am I happy about it? Or am I set? And then parishes. Parish is another one. I, we work with a lot of parishes and we'll see. This parish is better than that parish down the street and people are happy about it. Or the parish, the great parish in the diocese suddenly has a fall from grace and people go, see, ha, there it is. It's like we're waiting for people to fall. We're anticipating it and we're hoping for it and we're rejoicing in it. This is what we see, where we, how we see envy just really throughout the church across the country. And this is particularly true of oftentimes like the what would be considered like one of the more famous or better parishes in the diocese or priests. And then everyone being almost mutually not liking them because they're having so much success or seeing a certain group of parishes in the diocese that act or believe a certain way and grouping them up and then just casting them into poor light. And it's neighbor to neighbor, it's door to door. And if we're acting like this in the church, the world's just not going to be attracted to us. Yeah, Nick, you mentioned the social media briefly there, and we get to see it more. It's on display more, whether it's more traditionalists or competing against maybe some liberals or, or even admittedly, we know that there's some in the church that the majority feel that they're near heresy on some teachings and there's followers. And if something good or bad happens to that leader and then the social media vultures just dive all over it, good or bad, you just, it's just high of envy. And we see it sometimes and hear it sometimes with apostolates competing rather than honoring or spreading, as we say, spread good rumors about each other. I know Acts 29, where we both started doing work and I continue to do work with Acts 29, or now that Missio has begun and another apostolate, we've done all we can to honor other apostolates. And we just encourage those to speak well about each other. We're all on this mission together. But you do say it, and, and, and sometimes if you see somebody getting honored even more, anytime you check yourselves, as you mentioned, it's, are we feeling a little bit anxious or that's unfair? They're not doing what we're doing and they're getting some notoriety. Um, there, we've even witnessed, it's, there's this little play between lay leaders and clerical. At times we'll see lay leaders desiring that credibility that maybe a collar or a habit may bring clergy or religious that, and sometimes you see where it's like the leaders like, we don't really deserve that honor. They're not really doing that well. Or on the other hand, sometimes we'll see clergy that are seeing lay leaders be really strong in their leadership in the church. And some of them will look at it and say, wait a minute, they're not a, they're not a priest or they're not religious. And why are they getting these accolades? And where do they think they can step into some of these leadership roles? There's that envy. It's not that they're saying they want to be like them. That's not what envy is. Envy isn't, I want to be like them. It's just, I'm just not, I'm not happy with their success or I'm, or I enjoy when they start stubbing their toe because they don't quote, deserve it as examples. So we're seeing some of that repeatedly. And again, we're just trying to share with you, just here's why we think it's important to talk about it today, to take a check and see, are you seeing that as well? Am I being a part of that? Am I being somebody that's contributing to that? Or am I being somebody that's going to work to be the antidote to that? So just in general, it's this speaking poorly of people. It could be departmental within a parish or a school or a diocese or your organization or your family. Sibling against sibling, child against parent against child. It just, it's, it's, it's kind of permeating everywhere. And it's about tainting them, tearing them down, 
speaking poorly about them, gossiping. And, and then we get irritated sometimes when we hear compliments of others' good work. And so we don't want to raise them up. We don't want to rejoice in their good things. We don't want to acknowledge it because we think it takes away from something we have or don't have because of our own stuff. So and it, it, there's so many other observations you could make about these things. But as you hear this, think about yourself and the work environments you're in and how it's playing out. So those are some observations. Uh, let me get one more here, Nick, that uh, just maybe another reason why I'm so interested in sharing and we, we decided to do this podcast. My, my pastor at my home parish way up here in northern Michigan, Iron Mountain, Michigan, he just preached on envy. He did such a great job. And as he was preaching and I was immediately seeing the types of things that we just described, I just, they were just coming to my mind as, oh, we're running into that it was envy. I wasn't really identifying these things as necessarily envy. And so as we do our mission work and of course we're doing our self-evaluations, just picking that up in ourselves as well. So I want to honor Father Mike Chenier of Iron Mountain as well. So he got me fired up. So given those observations and many others, and, and we assume we're resonating with the listeners out there. We assume that you're seeing these kinds of things and feeling some of this in, our, in your own hearts as well. So let's maybe shift gears a little bit. Let's say, okay, then what might be think about what, how might we view this differently? And so some of the things that, that we have been kicking around, it, it, the first is just powerful. It's just from the catechism, paragraph 2538. And it says the 10th commandment requires that envy be banished from the human heart. That's a bold statement to begin with. The 10th commandment requires that envy be banished from the human heart. It goes on to describe a story from the Old Testament, the prophet Nathan wanted to spur King David to repentance. He told him the story about the poor man who had only one ewe lamb that he treated like his own daughter. And the rich man who, despite having a great number in his flocks, envied the poor man and ended by stealing his lamb. It goes on to say that envy can lead to the worst crimes. Through the devil's envy, death entered the world. So that story. So the rich man has more lambs, more you lambs than he needs. So he didn't envy the lamb. It's a, I didn't want, he didn't want the lamb. He just envied the love that poor man had for the one lamb. And he thought he could steal it and get that. And that's the thing about envy. You never get what you're looking for, right? So you're looking for somebody to fall so that you can be happier. You're not happier. It might be this fleeting moment of, ah, yeah, they got theirs. But then you normally feel convicted that I can't believe I feel that bad. And you might even start feeling for the person if they fell. Or, or if it's the opposite, something good happens and you feel, hey, I'm the king and I trash talk somebody. And then you feel like a, a goof for doing that. So just th that mindset of it should be banished from the human heart. I think sometimes we just say that's just the way society is. The mention of competition is like we, we view, hey, he's very competitive, but we do it in a negative way that it's not a virtue. And just think about it. The, the earliest experience of envy that had ever appeared in the history of creation was when Satan rebelled. Satan wasn't envious of humans because he wanted to be human. He already had powers humans didn't have. He was envious because God, the creator, his plan was to divinize humans. These people who are less than me, 
these lowly humans are going to be godlike in the end. They're going to become one with God. And so that envy, he's trying to destroy. He's the epitome of envy. He wants to be, he wants to be happy in our misery. He wants us to do the wrong thing, to not be divinized. And it's not making him happy either. And that's the misery that he's in. But that's the earliest experience of envy. Rick, as you were mentioning that, it made me think about the nuance. So maybe someone's listening and this will help them. There's a difference between wanting the truth to come out. So let's just say you know something not so great is happening somewhere. There's a difference between wanting the truth to come out about a situation or a person's habits or secret life and wanting their downfall. It, it, sound, it sounds subtle, but there's a big difference. You might know something or have information or be aware secondhand of potential information that's, ooh, that, that would not be good. Or that's not good that this person's being looked at as whatever it might be, like really great or, or a noble person to follow and it's a facade. It's one thing to pray for the truth to come out, for the growth of everybody, rather than someone to fall and want their destruction. So you can want someone's goodness and thriving and success and holiness and yet still want the truth to come out. I want that for myself. I want to know the truth about my own shortcomings, and yet I want to be great. And I could want that for someone else too. So what that's worth, I think is a helpful nuance to this idea of, of envy, and yet still wanting the truth to come out in, in difficult situations. So around these mindsets, there's this acknowledgement we need to have about how pervasive envy is. And if you haven't thought about it, it's probably in you. And it's humbling to realize it's in you. And humility is the right response. And then to bring us to repentance and confession. We want to pray for the Lord to shed light on envy in us, in our leadership, how it plays out in our leadership and on our teams. How does envy plan out among my teammates? How does envy plan out in our meetings and the way we carry, uh, way we engage one another? And then among church leaders, how did Jesus handle this? So in Mark 9, 38 through 41, this is the story about another exorcist who is not one of the 12 casting out demons in Jesus' name. And the apostles see this happening and said, teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after to speak evil of me for he that is not against us is for us. This right here is so important because whether you have an ideology or a method a way you like to do things, you prefer to do things that you think is really good and working. And you might be dead on. Somewhere else, they might do it differently. So I'm not talking about theology and church teaching here. I'm talking about the practice of ministry, the practice of leading, the practice of how you do what you do. When someone else does it differently, don't forbid them. Don't think that less of them. Don't think that they might not be doing it a way the Lord wants them to do it. And right here, Jesus is saying, don't forbid someone. He's doing good works. Rejoice. And so for us, that's this, again, this kind of this antidote. Rejoice. I always love, we always love using Jesus as the ultimate role model for leadership. I, I love that as a great example of just his demeanor. His, he's not threatened by it. He, he wants the success of those preaching in his name. And I think that more than ever, maybe, or at least very importantly, this time in the church on a grand scale, the global church, the church on a smaller scale, the church in a small town, how it's, I'm not going to be threatened by the other parish doing something great. I want to celebrate it. I want to 
put it in our bulletin, the success of the men's group at that place or whatever it is. And so I love, I'm glad you brought that one up, Nick. I think that's a real good one to pray about, to think about if we're struggling with what others are doing and, and making progress, whether it's an apostolate, another parish, another diocese, another group within the church. So this brings us to this question, how do we combat this? We talk about it, we know what it is. We're probably experiencing our own hearts right now, even as we listen, areas we might struggle with envy. How do we combat it? What's the antidote? And the answer here is very simple, but that does not mean it is easy. It does not mean it won't take you your lifetime to work on it. We need to grow in the virtues that are the opposite of envy. Admiration, pity, humility, gratitude to show gratitude for the good things in others, the good things in you, to have humility. And then as a leader, to really be an encourager. When was the last time as a leader, you went around the room and affirmed the good work in everyone at the table, even the per- especially the person you most struggle with? The Latin root of encouragement is to, to give courage to, to hearten, to strengthen. When was the last time you took the time to go around and just honor each person to encourage them and the goodness they have in them? That does two things. One, it helps be the antidote to envy. And it also helps all your teammates see this is how we ought to behave with one another. And I can see goodness in each of you. And it helps even more combat my envy because my boss, my pastor, my leader saw me as good too. And so that that's a great way to build that culture, if you want to use that term, the overused term, build that culture of encouragement and to crush envy in your team. Catechism 2540 says, we've already quoted part of this, but the antidote's in here. So envy represents a form of sadness and therefore a refusal of charity. The antidote, the baptized person should struggle against it by exercising goodwill. Exercise goodwill. Goes on to say, envy often comes from pride. Envy often comes from pride. The baptized person should train himself or herself to live in humility. So humility here is the antidote. And St. John Chrysostom says it really well. He says, would you like to see God glorified in you? Then rejoice in your brother's progress. Rejoice in your brother's progress and you will immediately give glory to God because his servant could conquer envy By rejoicing in the merits of others, God will be praised. So right there, it probably is the most helpful line. Because his servant could conquer envy by rejoicing in the merits of others, God will be praised. So are we rejoicing in the merits of others? Even if you don't feel like it, and this is important. How do we build virtue? Sometimes we fake it till we make it. I'm going to praise God and rejoice in the good merits of someone else, even if I don't feel like it, even if I don't want to, because it's the right thing to do. And by doing the right thing repetitiously, it will become the very response I have naturally. This is how we combat envy, my friends. So with that as the context, we've got this evidence that envy's out there. It's probably more common than we acknowledge. I know it's more common in my life than I've acknowledged. And now being able to sit with it even more, I'm recognizing it even more. And if we recognize then that We're basically told we should banish it from our lives. And we have the antidote in the form of admiration, pity, humility, and gratitude. And as leaders, we accept that challenge. Fundamental part of being a leader is to encourage others. So let's take all that to our mission challenge. Our mission challenge, as usual, it starts with prayer. 
And we ask you to first pray into this topic. Now, what do we mean by praying into? We use that a lot. And sometimes it's, what does that mean? So let's be sure. We're almost always going to ask you in our mission challenge to pray into the topic. So in other words, have a dialogue with the Lord on this topic, just like you would with a friend. And then listen for his inspiration, listen for his wisdom, and listen for his guidance. So that's going in. We're going to say, I'm going to pray into this topic. And in prayer then, as you're having this dialogue with the Lord, just like with a best friend, in prayer first, search for the evidence of leadership envy. Ask the Lord to shine the light on where there is envy. And as a leader, where there might be leadership envy. Ask maybe, who is bothering you to the point that you'd like to see them fail? Is it a person? Is it a department? Is it an organization? Is it another church entity? Ask in prayer, which organization, department, team, school, parish is angering you to the point of you wanting them to fail or get theirs? Ask maybe, who are you trying to beat? And questions like that, dig into, Lord, help me see this. Where am I angry? Where am I resentful? Where would I like somebody to not do well? Where do I think somebody is getting undue compliments? And then pray for the Lord to set you free. You need to be freed from those feelings, those misguided, wrong feelings. And and pray then. On top of the be free and furthermore, pray for the grace of rejoicing in their progress. So there's this element, all that is around finding the evidence of leadership, pray for the Lord to set you free, and then take it further and pray for the grace of rejoicing. Next in prayer, write this one down. Next in prayer, make a prayer outline. Search for those who you admire. Search for people teams, apostolates that you admire. Begin to cultivate an even more healthy spirit of admiration in your life. Pray for their continued success and for your authentic joy in their success. Okay, so admiration. So we're looking for evidence. We're praying to be free. We're praying for the grace of rejoicing. Now we're taking those you admire as individuals, teams, apostolates, and cultivate admiration and pray for their continued success and for your authentic joy in their success. Next step of the mission challenge, and we've done this before. We challenged you in the podcast we did on, on pride, on leadership pride, and how that can just sneak right up on you. But this applies to pride and envy, absolutely. The litany of humility. Pray the litany of humility and pray it with your team. Pray it openly, overtly with your team, the prayer of humility. And then resolve. Now, here's one we didn't spend time on in the podcast, but we mentioned as the antidote, pity. Now, this is interesting as well. Pity is taking your gaze off of those who you think have more than you. And the antidote to always looking at those that you, I want that, I envy that, I envy that, is to look at those who have less than you. Look at those who may be envious toward you. Look to those who have less and serve them. Resolve to practice pity for those who have less. Serve them. Be generous toward them in some concrete way. 
Do it as an individual. Do it as a team. And lastly, resolve to grow in gratitude. Nick mentioned this. Resolve to grow in gratitude. Gratitude for your own blessings and those of others. Again, as an individual, as a leader, and as a team, as a family on mission, thank the Lord for the blessings. And we challenge you, thank the Lord for the blessings right now. And do it every night before you go to bed. Do it as an individual and do it as a team. Maybe as a final note, there's plenty of us who have things where we're stuck. It could be envy, could be a different topic, could be an entirely different theme altogether. But when you're stuck and struggling in an area that almost feels like you would say maybe the word stronghold, I can't get unstuck. I have, I have such a hard time with this person or this area of my life. It's deeply rooted to where you're finding yourself, even with prayer and confession, just almost unable to, if you want to call it, get rid of it or be free, be set free, especially from it. We really recommend you check out the work of our friends at John Paul II Healing Center out of Tallahassee, Florida. Bob, Dr. Bob Schutz, he's got a book called Be Healed. You can start there. Um, check out their website. They do great work on inner healing and freedom. And what's important about this is as you're doing the mission challenge that Rick just mentioned or your other prayer experiences you have, that, that question of why, like why do I struggle with this? Where did this come from? Where did this start in my life? Asking the Holy Spirit those questions can really be relevatory. Sometimes it's something stuck in our childhood, hurt in our childhood, something we experienced or didn't experience that we needed as a kid. Sometimes it's in adulthood. And that, that lack or hurt could really cause us to get stuck with something and have filled it with a vice like envy. And then doing some deeper healing work can bring tremendous freedom and help. Check out Jump All to Healing Center if you've not before. Rick, with That's this, great. will you please close us today in prayer? I'd love to close us in prayer, Nick. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come again in power as we close this podcast. We ask that you, through us right now, minister to every leader who is struggling in any way with envy. We, ha we ask that you help them see where envy is playing in their leadership and their teams. We ask you to help them identify envy. And then we ask you to give them the grace of freedom from envy so that they may truly see themselves as good and they can see others as good and be able to truly, authentically, sincerely will the good of others, that they can fight the fight, run the race, and yet do it all for the glory of God. We thank you for these leaders, Lord. Continue to ask for your encouragement of them and they could be set free from any envy and banish it from their minds, their hearts, and their soul. Banish envy from their lives and from their leadership so that they can continue to drive that mission that you put them on so uniquely. We thank you for this time together. Pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for being a part of this episode and inviting us to be a part of your leadership journey. If you find this helpful, please share it with others. You are in our prayers. Please keep us in yours. And remember, always forward, never back.